Hey everyone, really excited to have two of my close friends to talk about an incredibly important topic. One, Nizar, and the other, Appy. And both of them I've known for a while now. Appy, we go back from high school, and Nizar, you know, most recently worked with him at Growth Genius. And they are both doing some incredible work when it comes to working with individuals, figuring out some really important issues. And I think the two of them combined really work across the spectrum of people in need and, you know, really want to have this conversation with them around how do you deal with loneliness? I think with COVID and all the issues that have come up because of the pandemic. Loneliness is a massive challenge for a lot of people right now across different ages, demographics, all that kind of stuff. And to me, no one's an expert in this topic. And I don't claim any of us to be experts. But at the same time, I thought it'd be really interesting to see what is actually happening on the ground. How are people and organizations dealing with it? And I think Nazar and Appy could really add some perspective there. So very excited to have them on board. I'll give it a bit of time for them to introduce themselves and then we can go into a couple of questions. So Nazar, why don't you go first? Yeah, sure. Thanks very much for having us, Susan. Pleasure to, to be chatting. Definitely a very important topic to discuss loneliness. I'm very lucky to have had a chance to work with some clients in my brief stint as a coach. It's been quite a journey and loving it a lot so far. Getting the chance to work with people kind of across the board, people that are stuck uh, sort of in their lives or maybe lacking motivation. Anything from PhD candidates who are transitioning into work to people that are overcoming addiction to people that are just job hunting and finding a tough time to kind of get their footing, especially during this time. So I think exploring this topic is uh, something that, that I'm definitely expe- excited about. I will also preface this with uh, the fact that I'm you know, not a therapist or anything. I'm, I'm talking from my personal experiences, having worked in different teams. And so, yeah, I'm, again, I'm excited to be here. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Uthin, for um, reaching out to me. I think this is definitely an exciting topic. I have also never been part of the podcast. Uh, my name is Appy. Like Uthin introduced me, I've been in the mental health field for about two years now. And I did social work as my background. I'm also not a psychiatrist. So this conversation will be basically pure based on my experience working in the field as well. A lot of my clients are people diagnosed with a mental illness ranging from all walks of life as well, from lower income to people that have had um, jobs such as uh, being a graphic designer or a teacher to younger adults. So anyone really from um, our clients or anyone 18 years and above. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sutin. So And uh, nice to meet you, Nazar. So this will be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I'm just going to get started into the questions. I think, you know, let's keep this casual. And, and just have you know a really transparent conversation on, on what you guys are seeing based on your individual experiences. So I want to start off just by simply asking, what does loneliness look like, and how do you recognize it within yourself and others? Yeah, Api, do you wanna do you wanna lead us? Uh, <laughs> so for us, at least when we, when we look at loneliness in, in terms of the mental health field, social isolation kind of shows starting off when when someone is kind of lonely. For us, loneliness in in the mental health field, like one of our our biggest concerns is when people self-isolate, especially in mental, when someone is dealing with a mental illness, isolating themselves is is a huge issue. By isolating yourself also, it's kind of where loneliness plays in in a factor, right? You kind of tend to not want to do anything. A lot of people, a lot of my clients, they either will sleep for long periods of time, they don't really get up till maybe 
noon or one o'clock. Um, they don't even leave their house. Uh, they've lost a lot of friendships. You kind of really spend a lot of time on your own. So that's kind of where we see loneliness playing in a, a huge factor. Um, and, and part of my organization, our, our biggest goal is to get people from preventing them from isolating and, and for them to come into our organization. So kind of during this time where we've been asked to isolate, it's a huge, huge concern for us, especially when it comes to our clients. For sure. yeah, it seems like, you know, it, it looks like essentially this whole pandemic goes against the entire philosophy of oh. Progress Place and everything that you guys do as far as bringing people out and having them come into your center, which is really interesting. Yeah. So like for us, uh, especially when we were told that we needed to kind of refocus the way that we are running our programming, partly telling our members not to come into our clubhouse. Uh, it was a huge, huge scare for not only our members, even for the staff. Like we know how big of an impact our organization has done on people and, and how important it is to people. So like you said, yeah, it, it totally works opposite way of our philosophy, whereas our philosophy is getting preventing isolation. But now uh, for the safety of, of our members and obviously for the safety of the greater community, like where everybody is asked to isolate, right, which can create tremendous amount of loneliness for people. Right. And have you seen, you know, interesting behavior shifts or... Like, what are some of the successes that you've seen because that, you know, your organization has essentially had like forced to go virtual? So there's, um, of course, there's been some positive aspects in terms of having the ability now using Zoom as, uh, as a program that we're, a lot of people I think are using, still being able to see some of our members online kind of helps them because they get to see us at least virtually. Another big thing that we're kind of doing to help is a lot of our membership live around the downtown core, so walkable distance to where our building is. So we are still providing meals for them, actually. So they get kind of the chance, still maintaining social distancing. So we're making sure people are still far apart when they're coming and getting their meal, but they're getting a chance to at least see us for a few minutes every day, Monday through Friday. And honestly, those few minutes mean the world to them. Like you see their face light up. Um, just because you're not at home, you know what I mean? When people stay at home and you don't really have anything to do, it's challenging, you know? Totally. Yeah, for sure. Nizar, you know, maybe talk about a bit about your experience and some of the challenges you've seen with your yeah. clients. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I started coaching about three to four months ago. And right off the get-go when I started, I had people approach me and say, you know, Hanazar, I'd love to chat. You know, I, I feel like I don't have a lot of motivation and I don't really know how to get motivated. And it's interesting because I, I heard that theme across several clients and, and usually that they say motivation, but there's actually something a little bit deeper than that. It's usually fear or sort of a lack of understanding about how they're moved their life forward rather than a motivation. But either way, the, the, the problem that we're in now with self-isolation is that that motivation, the lack of motivation is just going to increase. And so, for example, people are gaining weight and they're at home. And so you're sitting and then you're sitting more often or you're kind of binge watching TV shows or you're on social media, which means that you're less likely to go outside. And so when that time comes, we're going to be outside there's going to be, you know, maybe some, some self-consciousness. And so motivation is a, a tricky thing. And we are now, you know, isolating ourselves even more. And you have to go that extra effort to talk to people rather than like bumping to people in the hallway when you're at work. So it's been interesting, you know, having conversations with, with clients and, and you chat with them and you follow up the next week and they say, well, like, yeah, like I did a little bit, but I, I couldn't keep up with the, you know, with the assignments or, or tasks or, or the to-do list, you know, that we talked about why, well, you know, I was just bored or I, I didn't feel driven. And so you have to kind of sit 
sit with them and come up with a more detailed plan to stick to and, and you know, tackle motivation from a different perspective where there's a little bit more support. There's a little bit more checking in regularly throughout the week as well, because it is, it's definitely a very, a very challenging time and people don't really, and I mean, even the three of us on the phone, we don't really know how to deal with it. We're just figuring it out, out as we go. Sure. How, how do you guys motivate people? Like, you know, I, I see it as well. I mean, even for myself, I find it harder to read. I find it harder to keep up with podcasts and, and that's just something I do on the side, but you know, someone who coaches others or in Appy's case, kind of people like coaching people through zoom and trying to have whatever conversations that you can have. How do you motivate people during this time? Yeah. I, uh, I don't mind taking this one first. So I think what, what I came to realize is that it's very easy. So f- first you might be approaching a coach because you're lacking motivation. It, your, your talk track to yourself is, is so critical and so I do spend a lot of time on my coaching sessions talking about their self-worth and the things that they have accomplished rather than having the clients focus on what, what they don't have or what they are not. That, that perspective shift, that mindset shift makes a, a huge difference into, into how they go about their days. I do try to focus on, you know, look, look at how far you've come or remembering that like whatever problem you're facing, you're not the only one that's facing it. There are other people that are in it as well, especially globally now. If, for example, somebody's struggling to find a job, a lot of people are being laid off. So it's not just them. And then focusing on healthy habits. So exercise, even if they're simple activities, eating well, getting enough sleep, trying to get some sun, all those things really contribute to, you know, sticking to those health, healthy habits are going to help you stay motivated for longer. Yeah, I would say, just like you said, are like focusing on their strengths or even like what, what they have accomplished in the past is a huge thing. You know, once especially when you're in a difficult time, the easiest thing is to do is, is just focus on that and not realize all the things that you have accomplished in your life. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where we start off too. just focus on the positives, kind of what's working for you and, and what you did in the past to overcome kind of maybe similar struggles that you're facing today. For us, especially during this time, like it's, it's really challenging, I would say, to motivate people just because most of our programming, like I said, is face to face. And when we see people and, and we can kind of encourage them through like doing things together. So now that we don't really have that, it is a lot more challenging. So like kind of what we do as well is kind of we do a lot of check-ins. I check in with my clients almost every day if I can, um, just to see if they're able to get out of their bed, just to see if they're able to to make sure that they're having a meal during the day or even going on walks. Like I said, a lot of people dealing with mental illness, they, they like to just stay inside in their bed. And, and that's honestly the worst thing to be doing right now, even if, if they're asking you to stay inside. So really, ultimately, what we're doing is checking in and, and, and encouraging people to get even just go out for fresh air. And then just kind of having a little bit of a change of scenery instead of locking yourself inside your room just to bring a little bit more positive energy into you. For sure. I think what people fail to recognize is that even just maintaining some sort of semblance of your regular structure or, you know, your daily work is a win in and of itself. I think a lot of times people have this, you know, and I've seen a meme going around saying like, if you're not using this extra time to learn a new skill and new discipline, you know, it's a failure and that couldn't be further away from the truth, right? Everyone has, you know, their own challenges and I think, you know, their own learning style and, and it's pretty difficult to even just maintain a particular routine. And, you know, for those who are able to use this time to do something, you know, really positive, that's great, but you know, that doesn't have to be the case for everyone. Right. And everyone has their own habits and learning styles and people that thrive in, in more of an external facing environment probably are struggling a bit more. 
and, and that's okay, right? That that's completely normal and, and you know to be expected, right? This is a, a pretty big life shock to a lot of folks who are, who are used to living a certain way. So yeah, that's that's actually that's actually a big point, Susan. We, we we've talked a lot about empathy before, and I think this is like where people need that sort of high, heightened level of empathy, but even to themselves. Because like, I think this is a great time to also do things like, you know, I was mentioning over binge watching, like, like doing too much social media, that's not good. But at the same time, you want to do things that feel good. And yeah, you do get that dopamine fix from things like social media or Netflix, etc. It's just trying to control that. So I think in order to stay healthy, you have to do things you enjoy. So I think, yeah, like just focusing on being productive all the time during this time is also going to be taxing and draining on the brain. So that's, that's also not good. For sure. Switching gears a bit, you know, who do you think are the most vulnerable folks? Uh, obviously, you know, a, a lot of you guys deal with a wide variety of people. So curious to know how, how you guys see that and, you know, where as a society we should be putting most of our efforts. To be honest, it's a really challenging question if you really think about it, because everybody is kind of vulnerable in their own way, you know, and having a hard time. But I would say a lot of people that are on supports and low income are having a hard time just to live day to day, especially like if one my building, my office is really close to an ODSB building. So, you know, check day is a huge, huge day for for people at the end of the month because then they finally get money to, to either buy produce or buy toilet paper, which is really a commodity these days, you know? So I find a lot of people that are on low income are having a hard time just to be able to buy more than what they kind of need so they don't go out as often. And a lot of my clients are kind of going through that same issue. And people that are on um, a trustee who might have limited amount of money coming on a day-to-day basis, there are also people that aren't able to go out and, and go to a grocery store and maybe buy vegetables and, and produce and whatever you need for the whole week. They're buying stuff on a daily basis, which is kind of putting themselves at a risk too. But yeah, that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, stuff. for sure. I think there's that. And then just to add my two cents, I think anyone without access to technology or internet, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, we really, or at least I take that for granted where, you know, I, I have a computer, I, I have a phone, I have internet and you know, it's hard to imagine a world, especially today, without it. Essentially, anyone with access to an internet, with a computer, can, to an extent, make a living. Right? They can, you know, do some online work. They can, you know, hopefully get a job, depending on their education. But you know, there, there's you know huge, huge consequences when you don't have regular access to that. And you know, most recently working on Knowledge Hook in the education space, that's been an area that's been really interesting with all this because a lot of school boards and districts are shifting to an online learning platform. And that raises a number of equity issues where you're simply at a disadvantage if you don't have access to an internet or a Chromebook, right? And those are things that, or those weren't problems that we had to face when we were younger, but, you know, certainly a problem in today's age. And, you know, when you think about people who are more likely to have a gap coming out of this crisis, right? If you think about a month from now, hopefully, or a couple of months from now, when people go back to school, you're going to see a massive gap between the top students who have access to a bunch of resources, perhaps could sign up for a few online classes versus those who didn't have as much access. And, you know, parents who probably couldn't give the type of support that they would have wanted to just because of everything else going on. But Nizar, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, that's that's both of you guys made made excellent points. I think the, the clients that I'm dealing with are 
I would say definitely on the more privileged side. So the the challenge with with a few of the clients would be that they were already job hunting even before you know COVID really hit, and so now this is kind of more of a mental mental strain on them. So anybody that's really been out of a job for for a long period of time, they're in a tough spot because we don't know how long this is going to go on for. I'd say anybody that's that's living alone is also tough. It's a big adjustment, especially if you're already going through some personal things on your own. That's that's a lot to take in. And I know this this is a little bit different, but I think extroverts, like if you're an extroverted person and you draw your energy from being around people and you love being around people, it's it's hard. It's hard to be, you know, there's no physical touch. There's no like, you can't feel people's energies. You can't be in the same room as people and bounce off of their, their reactions. You have to consistently make an effort to message people and coordinate. It's just, it's not the same. And again, this is, I'm, I'm talking about this from a very privileged lens. And, and so I'm, I'm very aware of that. And we're very, very, you know, lucky, but it is, it is definitely hard on, on those types of people as well. So it's, you know, it's different kinds of demographics of people, demographics of people, I think. I think the way Appy started off, like everyone is vulnerable in some way, shape or form, right. And, you know, very easy to lose sight of that or, you know, very hard to kind of maintain that perspective. So definitely a great point there. What have you done with your clients? That's been really effective. I know we're still early in this relatively early, especially in Toronto. So keeping that in mind, I, I think, you know, anything in particular that you've seen to be highly effective as far as any questions that you would ask yourself, ask others, any tools, like literally anything that you found to be useful or, you know, perhaps had read up on that could be useful in terms of sharing with the audience. Well, I can, I can jump in. So for us, I kind of mentioned earlier that we started shifting our programming to more virtual. So kind of doing Zoom, another huge program or an app, I think that's not really related to what I'm doing at work, but House Party. I've noticed a lot of people on my social media is using this app to kind of play virtual games with one another. Our, our, our biggest focus is, is honestly to try to get people in touch with one another. So we encourage people to call their family, call friends, call almost anybody. So you're not sitting in, in your house by yourself. Uh, like Nazir said, like a lot of people are at home by themselves. So if, if you're living by yourself and, and you're used to going out to seeing friends at a coffee shop or something, maybe trying to do a group conversation over the phone or via Zoom is, is really important, I would say. Another huge thing for us is like meals is, is a huge issue for a lot of people and being able to, especially if you used to go out to buy your food a lot with everything being closed, people are having a lot of challenges with that. So that's kind of another thing that we, we've, we've tried to focus on. So trying to get people meals, those are kind of our two things to make sure that people aren't isolating and, and keeping in touch with people, either if it's virtually through programs like Zoom or just having phone conversations with family and friends, making sure you're eating meals every day. Totally, totally. Those are all critical parts. And Zara, what do you think or what have you seen? Or yeah, def that's effective. Definitely all, all the things that, that Appy mentioned for sure. And then maybe a couple more, I think... One that it's been that's been really interesting and, and very helpful even for me is Lunch Club, for example, um, which is an I guess a platform or an app that allows you to connect with other like professionals in the, in the Toronto area. And now this is available through Google Hangouts and Zoom, so or just phone calls. You don't have to meet in person. But so then that's something that you got me on. You know, you invited me to that app when when you first heard about it uh, several months ago. And it, you know, I've, I've passed it on to, to people I could, and it's been cool for for me to hear about some of the people they've connected with and and to kind of bond with people that you don't know and and get a better understanding of of you know how big this thing is and that it affects, you know, 
people that are you know beyond your immediate community. Something like that has been great. And then putting people on a plan. So it's different again, because with my kind of clients, we we do a lot of goal setting and we look at the obstacles that they're going to face during their goal setting. And we talk about, you know, what are you going to do when you come across this obstacle and how are you going to face it? And so in the plans that we come up with, we try to isolate time for them to have a balanced day, right? So if they want to be productive, like exercise and taking time to watch TV or play video games or write or read or, or take a course, all of those things have to be really, really balanced. And, and I, I would end it by saying that, happiness in terms of people being happy in this situation a lot of people's happiness do come from their thoughts right like genetics is a factor your circumstances right now are definitely a factor but your thoughts are also a big big piece of the pie and so trying to make sure that that people understand that they can control their outcome to the best of their abilities and you you can't control your situation but you can't control how, how you react to it and just rephrasing your mindset that like this is temporary this is a cycle this has happened before in the past in terms of like recessions and we've gotten through it. And just that talk track, again, just making sure that, that is, um, that's in good form, again, makes, makes a big difference. For sure. So I think talk track, definitely a tangible advice or having a talk track is definitely a tangible thing to take away. But go a bit deeper on the goal setting. I think both of you do this to an extent, obviously in very different ways. What does goal setting look like during a time like this, right? Like perhaps, you know, in my mind, at least, I think goal setting could at the very least beyond the very small things, very simple things that, you know, perhaps we took for granted. But now, you know, because we don't, we lack that spontaneous factor in our lives, you know, we kind of need to focus on having goals for very menial things or seemingly menial things. Nizar, why don't you tell me a bit more about that and then maybe happy uh, follow up. Yeah, totally. That's a great question. So I'll, I'll talk about it from a context of, let's say, somebody who's trying to find a job, right? Uh, that's the goal. For, for example, if, if someone's working with me, that's the goal. I'd say one of the goals. And so because of COVID and because of everything that's happening, it doesn't mean that that goal is no longer achievable. It just means that there's a few more obstacles in your way in order to get to that goal. Big picture wise, yeah, there's a lot of people being laid off and the market is not great in a lot of different ways. On, on the other side, there are a lot of companies that are hiring in big numbers companies like Amazon, Walmart. So it is possible to find employment. It just may not be exactly in, in what someone wants. Putting that aside, we're, we're going to focus on the goal that somebody wants, which is to find you know the ideal job for them. There are things that people and everybody, including myself, we could, we could be doing every day to help us get to that goal. And that's things like networking. So LinkedIn, for example, is a very powerful tool. It's, an, it's very easy to, and especially now, to send people cold messages on LinkedIn and, and just ask them for advice or ask them to hop on a quick call to, to learn more about how they got to where they are in a position that maybe interests you. And that what you're doing is opening up doors for yourself for the future so that you can, you, you know, it'll be much easier for you to have a conversation with somebody when that company starts hiring again and really trying to visualize like what other types of obstacles do they have? So if, for example, like getting up in the morning is really, really hard for them, but they know they have to exercise and making sure that their, their shorts, t-shirts, like shoes are right in front of them so they can just put them on right away and then more likely to go exercise. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but like creating an if then plan. So like, you know, if I, you know, have, a virtual social commitment in the evening and that's when I normally meditate and it's important for me to meditate every day then I'm going to meditate that morning to make sure that I don't miss my meditation so it's really trying to go into the details of like what does your day look like what are the obstacles you're going to face in your day so that we can alleviate as much of those as possible so that you can still maintain your motivation or stick to your goals if you know whatever they might be like tackling fear or social anxiety or getting a job or, or whatever that is Totally. Happy, like, do you use any frameworks that might be helping 
others kind of figure this out? Um, for us, kind of challenging if you're looking at it like at goals per se, to be completely honest. Uh, with, Fair enough. Yeah. Because I'd imagine like goal setting could be very different in your area, but like still still very like, you know, I think useful for everyone. I think goals like, you know, do you guys, in terms of setting goals, it seemed like with the check-ins, you kind of use that as a mechanism to enforce some of the goals as far as having conversations with people, just checking like, you know, whether they ate, whether they you know, took a walk outside, stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, like you were talking, this uh, mentioning earlier, like our goal setting is a lot, really different. I would say from where, what, when Nazir is working with his, his clients, yeah, just like you mentioned, just doing the daily check-in to making sure that getting out of bed is a huge goal uh, for a lot of a lot of our clients. And like you said, having a meal, getting a walk, and kind of yeah, just doing the daily check-ins to see if if, if those are things that they're still doing, and kind of like doing the daily check-ins to making sure that, that they are trying to continue to do as much as they were before. Of course, everything that you were doing before kind of COVID took over isn't always possible, but making sure that you are you're doing still as many things as you possibly could do with the restrictions that you have. For sure. Awesome. Is there any last things that you'd want to say either of you on this topic? I think, you know, we covered a lot of different things, a lot of obviously different challenges. Um, any other practical advice, you know, either from your work or your own personal experience that would make sense to share? I think there's just one thing I, I would love to highlight is that there is a difference between being alone and being lonely. And I think it's very easy to, you know, when you're when you're on your own to start thinking, oh, I'm a lonely person, I'm a lonely person. But there is a difference because if you are alone, but, you know, there are people within reach that you can contact, that you can network with, that's great. You know, tap into that, uh, find those people, talk to them. Don't wait for people to to reach out to you. I think this is a time where you can be very proactive about that so that you don't end up being lonely. But if you're somebody who's alone and you haven't really had a lot of time to be alone for yourself, you know, in the past because of your lifestyle, this is a great time to reflect and to think about, you know, what you want out of life or you want to go follow some passion projects at home, you know, like painting or arts and crafts or attend some webinars. I have a client that's doing a dopamine detox. So like he knows that, you know, he's on social media a lot or, or like YouTube or whatever. So he's, he's taking a day where he's not on any of those things. So, so make sure to, I'd say like a, a tip, just ask yourself if you know, if am I, am I lonely or am I alone? Because those two things are, are definitely very, very different. That's definitely a good point. I would just want to end it off by saying, try your best to reach out to people, especially if you're having a hard time and then you find that you are isolating yourself a lot. Use this time to reach out to maybe some friends that you haven't talked to in a while or reach out to family. I think the hardest part now is being by yourself. So if, if you try to reach out, hopefully just have a conversation, at least one conversation a day with somebody. Hopefully lighten up your mood a little bit more. Definitely. And, and you know, obviously there's tools, platforms out there as well where you know, that access is provided, right? And, uh, you know, being able to take advantage of those, super important. Thank you both for having this conversation with me. I think when I thought about this topic, both of you came to mind for very obvious reasons. And, you know, I've never done this before. You guys have never, or, you know, haven't done this either. And, and you know, appreciate you both taking the risk. So uh, really appreciate having this conversation. Hopefully other people find this useful as well and forward to having more of these in the future. Thanks a lot, Susan. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Susan, for having me.